My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastor, or I'm the pastoral assistant here at City Church. And this morning, we're going to be hearing from Israel uh, on Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 14. If you have your own Bible, you can turn to Jeremiah 29, 1 through 14 now. And if you don't have your own Bible, you can find that passage on page 656 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. Let's hear that passage now. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not, dis- do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Thank you. Good morning. You respond, responded a lot better than when Jason asked last week, so I want to let him know that the coffee worked. Um, well, welcome, welcome to City Church, City Church of Wilmington. As you probably heard me say plenty of times, we moved here in October uh, last year from Virginia, and before that we lived in Missouri and Illinois. Siri, there you go. Ah, Missouri and Illinois. And before that, that's it, right? And before that, I was living in Lima, Peru, which is where I'm from. And through all those years, I made decisions in my life, choices. And choices, decisions that I made or people have made for me have consequences. And they all brought me to the pulpit here today. I can say I did this 
I can say, somebody didn't let me do what I wanted to do, and all of that was shaped and put me where I am right now. And if all, in all of that, we're going to see in this passage that God was in control. He was in control of all my life and all your lives. It was like he was in control of Joseph's life in the Old Testament. When he was betrayed by his brothers, he was sold and became a slave, and he ended up being the right hand of Pharaoh during a time of famine in the land. There was no food, and he ended up providing for the tribes of Israel. You have made choices in your life, choices that probably you are very glad you made, and maybe some choices that you regret. Or maybe you were not able to make choices, and you ended up here in Wilmington, worshiping with us this morning. Let me tell you, just as God orchestrated the story of Joseph and the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, he has orchestrated your life to be here this morning as well in this city. Moving from city to city is not easy. You have to find a new home. And if you have never been in a place like we have never been in Wilmington before we move, you have to trust that you're going to meet friends, which we have very quickly. We make great people here. We feel lots of love. You have to find schools for your kids if you have kids. You have to find doctors. It's like finding a mechanic. You know, everybody says they are great, but you have to, build, you have to trust them. It's hard. You have to change your license plates. Some of you haven't moved from another city into Wilmington. Some of you are locals. And some of you are locals by choice. You love your city and you want to stay here. Some of you are here as a transition. You were placed here by your job and you are here until you fulfill what you want to do and then you're looking forward to the next. What's next? Some of you are here because you have no other choice. You were not given the things that society gives to some people to get ahead and you are frustrated, and you would like to move. Moving or staying in one place is not easy, especially when it's against your will, like we see in this passage. The Israelites were not going into Babylon by their own will. See, the, the big bully in town was Babylon. It was a huge empire, and they were not looking for the benefits of the neighbors around them. They wanted to profit themselves. They wanted to take slaves. With, with, uh, they wanted to bring people and assimilate them and live like they live. And they wanted to expand their kingdom, their power, their culture. And that was hard. Now what was happening when Jeremiah wrote this? Nabucodonosor, in Spanish, it's a lot easier than in English for me. Nabucodonosor, Nabucodonosor he, he was a king. And he tried to, to reach the Israelites. And he succeeded once, but the Israelites were stubborn, very stubborn. And they, they kind of like didn't, he couldn't take them as easy as he did with other nations. So he changed his plan, his game. He started to bring the lead, the craftsmen, the elders, the priests. He started to bring the politicians, the teachers, 
speak our language. What he wanted to do, he wanted to assimilate them. He wanted to brainwash them so when they, so when they go and live and teach the people, he will teach them Babylonian lifestyle. So little by little, the Israelites will forget who they are. And the Israelites were not naive. They knew that was a plan. So they resisted. They didn't want to go into that. And they stayed out of the city while the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he took the elite inside. He was training them. The people stayed outside of the city camping. And you know what happens when bad people smell fear? They take advantage of you. That's what some prophets did. They smelled the fear that the people had. They didn't want to go. So they started telling the people of Israel, oh, don't worry. It's just going to be a few years, and then the Lord will take you back. It says, a prophet said, uh, the Lord said, I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So this prophet was telling the people, this prophet Hananiah, he was telling the people, don't worry, it's just going to be quick, resist, be strong. They cannot take over. God will take care of you. Well, later, this is in chapter 28. At the end, we see that that was a lie. The Lord had a different plan for Israel, as we read. He was planning for Israel to stay there for 70 years. For 70 years in a land that was not theirs. See, prophets were blinding the people. They were telling lies to the people. And they fell. The people fell. God had a different plan. In verse 1, we see that it says that Nebuchadnezzar took Israel into Babylon. But later, in 4 and 7, we see that Jeremiah is saying that it's God that sent them into Babylon. That's what I was talking about earlier, that the Lord orchestrates your life. See, we, uh, verse 1, if you read verse 1, it says Nebuchadnezzar. So you're like, well, no, Nebuchadnezzar had a power. He's the one that took him into the land. But then we see, no, in 4 and 7, no, it was actually the Lord. He meant for that to happen. The Lord had a plan for them. So what happened? Like I said, the people of Israel didn't see that. They were blinded. And people came and lied to them and told them, it's not going to be that way. So my question to you this morning is, where you are right now in your lives, in your story, how are you feeling about it? Are you pleased where you are right now? Do you see your city? Let's talk about Wilmington because this is where we are. I, want to, I wasn't going to do this, but I really want to know. How many of you live in Wilmington, if you can raise your hand? In, how many of you live really close to Wilmington? All right. Most of, most of us live here. How many of you drive from another state? I know a couple. Hey, there you go. Yes. But you come here because you like it. You like the church, you like the family, and you're still investing time here. So like I said earlier, some of you might be here momentarily. Some of you are here because you love it, 
and some of you are looking forward to moving. I don't know where you are. But wherever you are, let me tell you, the Lord has put you here for a reason. And we will see that pretty soon. I know we're not Israel, but I think this passage is an easy one. Some are harder. Uh, an easy one to connect with us because he's calling the Israelites exiles. And through the New Testament, through many passages, we see that Paul and Jesus gives us an idea that we are of this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are called exiles. We are called to look for the future. When Jesus comes back, that's where our treasure is in heaven. So he's telling us, you are here where you are, but you are exiles. That we find that in First Peter. We're called exiles. In Philippians 3, it says that we're citizens of heaven. In John 17 and 18, we see that we are being called as we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So in that sense, we can connect with this passage with the Israelites that were called exiles. Like I said, I'm from uh, Lima, Peru. My family and I, thank God, we're going to go back to visit as a whole family again after four years maybe. Uh, the kids are very excited. The only thing my daughter knows about Peru is that grandma is there and she's going to feed her with a lot of chocolate. That's Peru for her, is chocolate and teddy bears. And my son has gone more than my daughter has. And we are looking forward to that trip. And I think about home once in a while, she, <laughs> daily. My wife, uh, she laughs at me right now, daily. Sometimes it's good memories, sometimes it's bad memories. And sometimes I like to go into a room and listen to two hours, three or more of music at home. And I was sharing with uh, somebody earlier last week that I have some marks in my body from falling, from being a young, I want to keep it Christian, a silly guy, stupid. I wasn't thinking well. I, I didn't know how to do skateboarding, but there was a longboard like this. And I lived really close to the ocean, and my friends did like longboard going downhill and looking cool. And that wasn't me, but I wanted to be with them. So I did it once and fell, and I didn't learn my lesson. But I was wearing uh, protection pads, you know. Nothing happened. The second time, I forgot about those things and fell. So I have a lot of marks in my body from that. And when I see them, I remember home. There are memories. And some of you have marks from where you're coming from, internally or externally. And they bring memories. Some of you might have tattoos. And they have a story as well. But at the same time, I'm living in the States, right? And I have to adapt, have to learn a new language. I, I would like to get rid of my accent so people say, don't do it because that makes you who you are, so whatever, I'll keep my accent. Um, I learn food, I learn traditions, and holidays because that's where I am right now. And I'm to love the people and the place 
in which the Lord has placed me. Another example that is more biblical than me is the word ambassadors. The Lord calls us ambassadors. We're ambassadors of Christ. And what does ambassador do? He's from country A and country B. Let's say from the U.S., you're sent to Syria, you're sent to Venezuela, you're sent to every, you name it. You go there, and you are to learn their language, you are to learn their food, you are to learn their culture. You are like a bridge connecting two different countries and building relationships with them. But you never stop being from the country that you came from. And I think that's what Jeremiah is telling the Israelites in this passage. He's telling them, go, go to Babylon. I love that place where you're going to live. Make it home. Go to Babylon. Invest in it. Make it home. But don't remember who you are. Don't remember who you are. Jeremiah shows us how to apply this. I think the Lord shows us how to apply this to our lives as well. I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's a case for us to connect with this passage, even though some of us, there might be some Jews here, uh, some of, most of us are not Jews. But we can connect with this passage. In verse 5, I read it to you, 29.5, it says, Build houses and live in them, Plant gardens and eat their produce. In that foreign land, in your enemy's land, go and make it home. Take your kids with you and make them marry among you. Plant gardens in that foreign enemy land and eat from that. Leave your marks in that city. Leave, let that city mark who you are. Make it home. And I think that applies to us that live here in Wilmington or in the surrounding areas or wherever you are. The Lord is calling you to make that place home, not to be isolated and to think that you're a Christian, you're too cool for the rest. He knew that the Babylonians didn't worship God. They didn't worship him. But he still said, go and make that place home. So that must be really hard. Can you mind going to a different Land against your will, different food, different language, different school system, being oppressed, you're the minority, and going to the market for food and find idols everywhere that are not your God. But still God is telling them, go, go there and be fruitful and multiply and make that place your home. And that applies to you, my sister and my brother in Christ. Make Wilmington, if you live here or wherever you are, make that place home. Love your city. Whether you are here in transition, whether you are here by your own will because you want to, or even if you are longing to go back home where you came from. But by the time you're here, the Lord is commanding the Israelites and to us to love where we are. And that is not easy. That is not easy. And he knows that. Verse 7. It says, But seek the welfare of the city 
where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on his behalf, for in his welfare you will find your welfare. He's telling them, invest in Babylon. Go and take jobs. Make gardens, businesses. Connect with the people of Babylon. Deal with them. Because you know what happens when you invest in somebody or something? That something or somebody becomes part of who you are. Because you are giving them some of yourself. And when that happens, your enemies and become your friends. You see in the New Testament that we are called to love our enemies. That we are called to pray for them. And you don't pray for people that you hate. The fact that you start praying for somebody is wishing the best for somebody and is the beginning of loving somebody or a place. So Jeremiah, God through Jeremiah is telling the Israelites, Love Babylon. Pray for Babylon. Even though they are so foreign to you. Even though they are bullies against you. Even though they don't look for your benefit. Love Babylon. Love that place. Invest in it. And pray for it. And the perfect example for that is Jesus Christ. He came to this world, and he wasn't silly like me. He didn't get a, a, a longboard or a skateboard and fell and got marks. He had marks in a different way for you, on the cross. He got pierced for our transgressions. He gave his life for us. And I believe that it is because of that, for the love that he has put in you, that he prays for you because he has invested in you. Therefore, you have some of him. You have him in your heart. He has given us the Lord, the Holy Spirit to reside in our hearts. The Lord is investing in us. Therefore, he's praying for us. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves this world. He made it. He lived here. He commands us to multiply, to take care of the land. That's a perfect example of love. When you invest in somebody, you love that person. When you, love a, when you invest in a place, you get to love that place. And the Lord has invested his whole life for you. And he has proof. You see in the New Testament that when he comes back, He's going to have his marks. That he went to the cross. He died there. He was willing to have his body marked for you. Because he loved you. He loved you enough that on the cross, the great exchange happened. He was on the cross, holy and pure. And we were next to him, like the thieves on the cross. And he took our sinfulness, our rebellion, 
our hate on the cross, and he said, that I'm going to put it on me. My holiness is going to be transferred, or if you like fancy words, imputed in you. That's a great exchange that happened on the cross. Our sinful nature, our sin, our rebellion of, no, I don't want to do your will, God. I don't want to love that place. I hate my neighbors. All of that and worst, Christ put it on himself and gave his holiness to us. So that when we believe in him, when God sees us now, what does God see? Christ's holiness. Christ's purity. And when God saw Christ on the cross, he saw our sin and he punished it for us. So that we wouldn't take the penalty of our sins and our rebellion. But the story didn't end there. Jesus Christ resurrected. And we are celebrating that every Sunday. And we will be celebrating that pretty soon during our Easter egg hunt. So the Lord is calling us to love Wilmington, to love our city, to invest in it. We are having uh, conversations with the school next door, with Lewis, and hopefully that will be the first of more schools in the future, of how to connect with them and to love them and to invest in them. Uh, we have uh, volunteers here, people on the staff, with an organization called Urban Promise that invests in the case of Wilmington. We're investing our finances, we're investing our prayers, we're investing our time with that because we love them. And the more we invest, the more we love them and the more we pray for them. We, uh, I was invited to a, to a gala dinner a couple of nights ago from an organization, by an organization called Mid-Atlantic Orphans Care Coalition, in which a coalition of local churches partner together to foster kids, to promote fostering, to promote adoption, because we want to invest in this area. And when you invest in an area, when you invest in somebody, you pray for them. And when you pray for somebody, you are loving somebody. When you pray for a city, you're loving a city. And let me tell you, Wilmington is crying. I'm not from here, and this is very new for me. Eight shootings in one week. I mean, your city is crying. My city, I live here now, is crying. We need to pray for them. Maybe we might not be able to stop that next week or in a month, but invest in those kids in Lewis. Invest with Urban Promise or many other things or your talents that you have. So that in five and ten years, when this youth looks back and says, man, that was horrible, but it changed. And through church history, you can see the cities have changed when the light came into darkness. When the people of God came together and loved one place. There is hope. There is history to back it up. No just fancy words. There is hope in Christ. Christ can change a city just like he changed your life. In the New Testament, 
we see the story of Paul. We just finished uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, when that was was a letter sent to the sea, to the churches in Ephesus. Paul, when he was on his way to Corinth, he was going to he was on his way to Corinth. He wrote this. Excuse me, I'm going to read this because my locations and geography right now is going crazy. Uh, let me read this to you. This is better. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. This is in 1 Corinthians 16, 5 and 9. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. So Paul is writing this letter to the, to the Corinthians, to the church in, the churches in Corinth. And he's saying, I really want to go, but I'm on to pause right now and I'm on to stay in Ephesus. That's the location we read the letter to the Ephesians. In that moment, he's in Ephesus. And he's saying, my plans are to go, but a door has been opened. It's wide open for me to spread the good news. Pray for me because the enemy doesn't want me to. So my question for you this morning is, what's blinding you from investing in this community? What false prophets, false voices are you listening to that is preventing you from investing in this community. I don't have time. I don't have the finances. I don't have the skills. What voices are you listening to that are blinding you? We see that Paul wasn't blind in this moment. He saw the chance and the opportunity to spread the good news. And that's my prayer for me and for you. That the Lord will take whatever is covering us our ears or our eyes, so that we could hear or see what doors the Lord are, is opening for us here in Wilmington. He was not blinded by the circumstances, even though there were many that opposed him. See, the difference between him and the Israelites, they had fear. The false prophets smelled that fear and took advantage of it. We see Paul here with no fear against the enemies, and he's seeing the doors wide open to spread the kingdom of God. What's blinding you? What's blinding me? Let's pray that if we don't see opportunities, it might not be you or him, but if we don't pray for our city, we're not involved somehow directly or indirectly. Let's pray and ask the Lord why. And ask the Lord, why am I not loving the place where you send me? Why am I not praying for the place in which I am now? Our present is Wilmington. This is where we are. Whether it's a transition 
whether it's we want to stay or whether it's the place in which we are waiting to go somewhere else for good. Wherever you are in those three or more, you are here now. Are you blinded? Are we blinded? And last, the Israelites were told by Jeremiah that the plan of God was what? For them to be there? 70 years. Right? Remember, exiles, you're going to come back to Jerusalem. I'm going to be among you again. For us, it's the same. Yeah, I'm from Peru. Yes, you might be from uh, Pittsburgh. You might be from Wilmington. You might be from Southern Illinois. But home, our true home, now that we are Christians, is the kingdom of God, is heaven. And we're ambassadors, and that's how we should function. So we should, because I, I don't fail many times. We should function like that. We don't know if it's 70, we're not in that moment, in that period of time, so it's not 70 years. I'm not saying the Lord is coming back in 70 years. It might be tomorrow, it might be 70 years, and I might be the only one getting it. In 70 years, the Lord might come back. I don't know. We don't know when the Lord is coming back. We're in that 70 years, I guess. We can In that transition time in which we are waiting for the Lord to come back. So let's not remember where we really belong to, heaven. But at the same time, let's invest in this place where the Lord has placed us now. Let's love the people of Wilmington, let's invest in them so that we will pray for them. Let's invest in our schools. Let's invest in the market, make businesses. Some of you have. Work for the city. If you're here for two years, stay three. One more year. Volunteer. If you are not able, pray. Partner with us as we're trying to love this city of God. And we can do that because we have the best example that is Jesus Christ that did it for you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you came to love us and you were pierced for us. I pray that we will invest in this city in this community, and I pray that we will love it with all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.